1: with his own nicotine pouches. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
2: Blaney's got a bumper up in the outside lane, but back comes Kevin Harvick. He shoves Blaney a little bit wide. He's got drafting help down low from William Byron. Off turn two to the backstretch. It's Kevin Harvick
3: with the lead. Kevin Harvick to the bottom of the racetrack, side by side for the lead.
0: Harvick now breaks out in front of th- Along the inside lane, he's got the lead. William Byron right behind him. Harvick loses two positions. He's third. Racing off the corner for the final time. Ryan Blaney heads the
4: field to the trioval. But the middle lane has momentum. It's Kevin Harvick. He'll pull even in the trioval. Here they come to the line. Checkered flaggers in the air. They're crashing behind them. Checkers is out. Photo finishes. Car cars spin and uh, hit the outside wall. Ryan Blaney by 1-100 second will win the Yellowwood
5: 500 yeah, It's nice to be locked in you know so it makes uh, makes going there next week a little bit less
1: stressful but uh go try to win just like always nascar live is brought to you by toyota for the latest toyota racing information visit toyota racing.com from the mrn studios in concord north carolina here is your host mike bagley Hello, everybody. Welcome to another
3: edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we are set to wrap up the round of 12 this weekend at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. We'll wrap up this round after a very entertaining Yellowwood 500 over the weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. We'll relive some of those moments with another NASCAR Live Backtracks. Over the weekend, Ryan Blaney punched his ticket to the round of eight by winning at Talladega. He'll join me in a few moments. Also, Brett Moffitt was able to score the win Saturday in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race at Talladega. We'll check in with Brett as they continue to celebrate that victory. Todd Gordon and Steve Post will join me in studio. We'll do a deep dive on this weekend's action on the Roval and how strategy might play out this weekend in the Bank of America Roval 400. Plus, a full preview of the race coming up this weekend in Charlotte and a whole lot more. But first, Kyle Ricky is here with a check of the latest headlines in NASCAR. Kyle,
6: Mike, another domino has fallen in regard to the 2024 NASCAR schedule. Today, officials at Iowa Speedway announced that the NASCAR Cup and Xfinity Series will visit the track June 15th and 16th of next year. The Cup race will be held under the lights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time with Iowa Corn Promotion Board and Corn Growers Association as the title sponsor. An ARCA event will also be a part of the race weekend. Super Speedway racing can cause tempers to flare. And that's exactly what happened after Saturday's NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race at Talladega Super Speedway. Matt Crafton and Nick Sanchez got into a fight in the garage post-race where Sanchez had to visit the care center after the tussle. NASCAR has announced that they have fined both drivers, $25,000 to Matt Crafton and $5,000 to Nick Sanchez, while Nick's father Rini has been suspended through the rest of the year for his involvement in the fight. Teams are allowed to break up the altercation, but cannot throw punches. And after the completion of Sunday's Yellowwood 500, Kevin Harvick was disqualified for a windshield violation that was found during post-race inspection. Greg Zipidelli, chief competition officer for Stuart Haas Racing, said, quote, At the completion of the race, not all of our windshield fasteners were secure, as we had bolts that hold the windshield in place back out over the course of 500 miles. We are in the process of diagnosing why this happened and how to prevent it moving forward we are disappointed with nascar's decision to disqualify our race car and hard-earned finish by our team but we will not appeal unquote mike coming
3: out we'll revisit the yellowwood 500 at talladega with a new edition of a nascar live backtracks
1: Wheeland engineering a global leader in the emergency warning industry designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights white illumination lighting
3: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. This past weekend's action at Talladega provided us with no shortage of excitement and drama in the Yellowwood 500. Let's relive it all from this past weekend's race with another edition of NASCAR Live Backtracks.
7: For the 109th time, the NASCAR Cup Series in action at the Talladega Super Speedway. Race number 31 on the season. It is the Yellowwood 500 Talladega, and it's green. Eric Elmerola in the Ford on the inside. He's got a teammate right behind. To the outside, that's Joey Logano. They had to turn one for the first time. The former NASCAR Cup Series champion
2: letting it ride on the outside. Martin Truex Jr. halfway up on Joey Logano. Side by side. battle for the lead. Here comes Truex off the end of turn two.
3: Behind that wheel-to-wheel battle for the lead. Again, three wide formation for the balance of the field. Truex on the outside. Logano in the middle. Here comes William Byron digging hard down low. Blaney shoving Byron to the lead on the end of the back straightaway.
0: Ryan Blaney determined to move up the inside lane and puts the move to shove Byron back to the front. William Byron guides the field off turn number four. They're stacked up three wide behind.
7: Boy, it looks like you're racing back to the checkered flag, but oh, wait a minute. There's 170 laps remaining. Martin Truex Jr.
3: powers by
0: to
7: the outside.
0: So does Jones. So does Ryan Priest. The front three now. New leaders in three. Ryan Priest changing lanes on the run. Back in the corner number three. Goes from right to left. Dives to the bottom of the racetrack. He's the new leader. Ryan Priest by a fender off turn four.
7: Boy, it just does not let up. Lap after lap after lap. They're changing for the lead. They're changing for 10th. They're changing for 20th. All the way on back through the field. New race leader at the line, Ryan Priest. Sendrick will change lanes. He'll slide up in front of Stenhouse. Stenhouse will take him wide. They're three wide
3: for the lead. Blaney on the bottom. Sendrick in the middle. Stenhouse with drafting help from Kyle Bush. Almost breaks loose. And he'll lose a lot of ground. And here comes the wreck. Chastain is around. He'll bounce off of Christopher Bell. Up and into the outside wall. Everybody else. Out- will avoid. Chastain makes contact with the safer barrier. It looked like it was going to be the big one, but only Ross Chastain involved with a problem off the end of the back straightaway.
7: That will put us under the caution flag for the very first time this afternoon. The yellow flag is out, and the green and white checkered flag is out also. And we'll wait to make sure that we have an official rundown on the top ten. And we do. It's going to be Ryan Blaney, William Byron, Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, and Alex Bowman.
4: A speeding penalty to be handed out to a Toyota driver. And that is race leader at the moment, Denny Hamlin. Hamlin gets busted for speeding. He's going to have to do a pass-through penalty.
7: And now here comes Denny Hamlin to serve that pass-through penalty. A huge blow to what was then the race leader. Yeah,
4: and he is not going to be the only car one lap down if he gets put a lap down. Carson Hosevar is. BJ McLeod is as well. But let's stress, Denny Hamlin is not a lap down yet. He's going to be by himself going at a much reduced rate of speed compared to the draft. Hamlin is the first car that will be encountered by the lead draft, Jeff. I think they're going to catch Hamlin here in the next five laps, but I'm not so sure they're going to have enough time to run down Sendrick.
7: Well, and that would spell potentially... Bad news for Carson Hosovar because he is in a free pass position running back one lap down in 34th. Mike Bagley, are they going to run down Denny Hamlin? Oh, they're catching him pretty quick. It's not going
3: to
0: be five laps. It's going to be one or two tops. They are hammered down,
3: and Denny Hamlin is right in front of them. With William
0: Byron, the race leader, coming through turns three and four, moves up around the outside, drops down to the bottom lane once again, right in front of Joey Lagano.
4: Logano's right there. Those drivers at the front of the field are at the bottom of the racetrack. That is where Denny Hamlin's car is, about to be swallowed up by the lead draft. Hamlin will drift up the racetrack, leave the bottom wide open. Hamlin will fall a lap down, headed to turn one. He'll go a lap down,
2: but being the veteran that he is, he's going to look for a place to fall in line, meld into that lead draft, and pick up the draft. He does exactly that. They come in at turn number one. The top seven, maybe eight cars are all single file right now. They'll hug the bottom of the racetrack. William Byron, Joey Elgano, Brad Petlowski, and Austin Dillon. That is the way they
3: will race to the Alabama Gang. Super stretch. Here comes one car poking out of line, trying to get a run on William
0: Byron for the lead. Here come two. Here come three. It will be. He's got Austin Dillon right behind him. They both go by William Byron, who now picks up help in the form of Joey Logano to the bottom side. But it's Brad Keselowski leading off-
4: Pay window is open for points for the top ten finishers. They got to get through the trioval and back to the start finish line. Stage number two will come to an end. Green and white checkered flag is out, and Brad Keselowski will win stage number two.
7: Bubba trying to go to the point. William Byron working downstairs. Joey Logano in the middle. Good news, you're the new leader. Bad news, it'll never last
2: at Talladega. To the bottom goes William Byron. They hang Danny Hamlin in the middle again. Byron goes to the lead on the bottom. Here comes. Denny
3: Hamlin will go one lap down yet again. He leads the middle lane of the racetrack. He is one lap down in front of Logano. Byron takes the lead of the race. Side by
4: side for second. Blaney Trouble right here in the tri Hard crash. Carson Hosobar involved in the crash. Austin Dillon involved in the crash. That broke out at the exit of the tri Brad Keselowski will pound the inside safer barrier. Ty Gibbs gets a piece of it as well. This coming out of the tri-oval. Looked like Carson Hosobar got a little bit sideways. Perhaps got turned around. And that triggered the crash. Sliding across the start-finish line. That'll put us under the caution flag with 27 laps. To to go. Big crash here at Talladega. Caution is on the speedway. Debris has been spotted around the racetrack, and that'll slow things down and bunch them back up as if they needed punched back up. But the caution is out for debris here with 17 laps to go.
7: That is going to slow that outside lane, that third lane, because they were starting to form up in a hurry. Bubba Wallace had jumped to the outside lane also, and they were going to make some uh, short work and big progress but that's all going to slow at the moment. Who is going to win at Talladega in one lap? We will know the answer. The next flag is going to end it. White flag is in the air. Here they come across the line side by side. Ford Mustangs, Ryan Blaney and Kevin Harvick. Blaney's got a bumper up in the outside lane, but back comes
2: Kevin Harvick. He shoves Blaney a little bit wide. He's got drafting help down low from William Byron. Off turn two to the backstretch. stretch. It's
3: Harvick to the bottom of the racetrack, side by side for the lead, Harvick now breaks out in front, he'll throw the block on Blaney,
0: Blaney changes lanes, back to the bottom, breathtaking racing to end the day here in Talladega. Here's Blaney along the inside lane, he's got the lead, William Byron right behind him, Harvick loses two positions, he's third, racing off the corner for the final
4: time, Ryan Blaney... The middle lane has momentum. It's Kevin Harvick. He'll pull even in the trioval. Here they come to the line. Checkered flag goes in the air. They're crashing behind them. Checkers is out. Photo finishes. Cars spin and uh, hit the outside wall. Ryan Blaney, by one one-hundredth of a second, will win the Yellowwood 500.
3: and Ryan Blaney showed us once again why Talladega is one of his best tracks. Out of his 9 NASCAR Cup Series wins, 3 have come at Talladega. Kyle
8: Larson brings his Chevy in four
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. Let's go to the hotline and
3: let's bring in the winner of Sunday's Yellowwood 500. Ryan Blaney took the checkered flag and he's with us now. Ryan, welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are we doing today?
5: Yeah, doing good. Thank you guys for having me.
3: Oh, it's our pleasure, my friend. What a day for you on Sunday. With the win, you're on to the round of eight. Before we talk about the playoff implications, let's talk about that 500 miles itself. Seemed like a different Talladega race over the weekend. What was the take from your driver's seat? How did that race play out of all that was going on around you all day long?
5: You know, you never really know how those Speedway races are going to go you have all these plans, you know, throughout the week and before the race with your crew chief and spotter of situations and kind of what you're thinking before the race, you know, pitch strategy, all that stuff. And, you know, rarely those things go exactly to plan, you know, but I feel like they went more to plan this weekend than they ever have as far as, you know, you have your plan for the first stint of each stage before the pitch cycle and you, you have your number as far as, okay, hey, we're, Green flag stops. We're stopping at this lap, you know, with the Fords, and and you know that's what we're going to do. And and that's that's how the first two stages really went. Was just saving a bunch of gas. You know, you just save a bunch of gas before the pit stop, and you know it helps you out a little bit on pit road. The more you can save, and uh, if it goes green, it's it's great for you because you kind of can can get up in the front of your pack uh, when you come off pit road if you're taking a little bit less time, you know, fuel in the car. So that worked out for us. We did a good job. We had a good number in mind as far as you know how much we needed to save and. It's those little games that all the teams play it. It's just a matter of, okay, how, how well is your right foot handling it? You know, how much gas, gas can you save while also still helping your lane? You know, you can't just not help your lane at all, especially if you're the first couple cars in line. So um, it was, it was a good race. We had good pit strategy. Jonathan did a good job. Um, you know, we had a good day on pit road and that third stage there, we were able to be up in the first few rows. And uh, when that caution came out with, you know, 25 to go or whatever it was, you know, we were, uh, stayed up there and, and then you put yourself in a spot to win and, you know, if you can find yourself in the first two, three rows, uh, it it makes it to where you have a really good chance and, um, worked out for us to where we kind of got cycled to be in the car in the second row and, and trying to push the front car. And then we got cycled to leading the top lane when we got outside the four and, um, and then just, you know, the last Few laps, you just wait, waiting for opportunities. You hope your push behind you is steady and and keeps your lane moving, and you look for any opening you can get. And and when the bottom opened up for me to get inside the four, uh, we were you know fortunate enough to take that and was able to get the shove we needed to to just inch Kevin out there. So just uh, a fun day, honestly, in our side. I know a lot of other people probably didn't have fun, but it was it was a good day for our group.
3: I saw a tweet, or an X message, whatever they're calling it these days, uh, that Parker (laughs) Klergerman retweeted, and it was a video, in-car video, of your last five laps with your spotter uh, guiding you through. I was amazed at how loyal you stayed to Kevin Harvick when all that was going on around you, I think Hendrick Carr's got to run to your inside, and you stayed right with him, and you, for the most part, you know, you've fell in line behind him, you were disciplined, and then you got to the end and made the move that you needed to make. How difficult was it to, to stay disciplined and to stay in that line even though you were being overtaken by the laying down low?
5: When that came out, I was so happy because it, it puts it into perspective of how much the spotters and drivers are working through those situations. And that stuff's all race. I mean, that communication that you heard the last five laps, that goes on the whole race. And yeah, maybe it's a little bit More conversation going on and information being thrown to me when we're in that spot, especially coming down to the end of the race. It just applauds how much the spotters work at the speedways of giving drivers information. And everyone's different, right? Like, I probably want different information than than Joey or any other driver, right? And that's just kind of preference and communication with your spotter of how you work out over the years. But, yeah, I think that being the discipline part, I think that's something that we've done a good job at at these speedways, that's made us successful um, of being patient, being committed to somebody you've been working with that has been successful. Like, you know, Kevin and I were fast. We were able to pull the top lane. And it's, it's like the first three cars in each lane have a huge job. You know, the leader has a big job of, of uh, no one went to get back up to the second-place guy's bumper. Second-place has a huge job of getting on the leader's bumper in the right spot and then letting them go, entry of the corner, to where the run kind of continues to carry. And then the third-place car in line, who was Riley Herbst, who did a great job, it's his job to kind of help the second-place guy get to the leader. And, like, those three guys are, like, the main influences on how a lane moves. You get fourth row, fifth row on back, yeah, you're doing a little bit, but the third-place guy has enough draft from the first two. He can kind of get to second whenever he wants, you know, the second-place guy's bumper. So those guys are working, you know, really well together, and Josh is telling me all that information of how much help does third have behind him, how close third is behind me. When can I expect these runs? How can I? And then I have to apply it to when I'm going to give it to the lead car. Um, so that part is it's just huge, and it's just part of the game. So um, we were patient and, and disciplined, and, and waited on our moment to be able to capitalize and get to to the front row, and, and that's what we did. With that win, you
3: are on to the round of eight. You got out of Talladega not only in one piece. But you got out of there with the win, and your ticket already punched to the round of eight. How big wa- were those two things on Sunday for you folks?
5: Oh, it's massive. You know, I mean, it It makes this weekend a lot less stressful. Um, you know, we've gone into to the Roval. You're still trying to point your way in. You're close to the cut line. You're barely above it. You're barely below it. You know, and you have to really go have a good day. And The road course racing with the strategy, that can be pretty tough, you know, and then trying to figure out stage points are huge. And obviously finishing position, but takes a lot of stress off you know, this weekend to where we can really focus on Vegas, uh, trying to start off the round of eight with a great showing at Vegas. And we all know how big it is to try to win Vegas. Uh, I think the playoff guy who wins Vegas, they have the best shot to win at Phoenix because you have two weeks to prepare, put all your efforts into uh, the championship weekend. So uh, that, was, that was great for us and, and a huge confidence boost for everybody. You know, it makes everybody feeling good about it, and and gives everyone a shot in the arm that they need to to go perform. So, great for our organization. Um, nice to get everyone back together in our group. You know, we do a big win toast. We just did that today, and huge to get everybody in there since since Charlotte, uh, celebrating and and uh, knowing that hey, we we're still in this. We got a shot at this. Let's uh, let's get after it. We got one week to to prepare for Vegas. And let's uh, let's go make the most of it, and let's get to Phoenix.
3: And speaking of preparations, these are obviously on a longer term, but from the news we got today, looks like we need to make preparations to go to Iowa Speedway with the NASCAR Cup Series for the very first time. You won the NASCAR Xfinity Series race run there in 2015. What are your thoughts of going to, to a Newton, Iowa, with the Cup Series for the first time in 24?
5: I am absolutely psyched to go back to iowa um that place was such an amazing racetrack when we ran there i got my first truck series win there that's that's so cool that place is amazing i have a lot of family from des moines which is not too far from there uh so it's always been a special track to me for multiple reasons and uh, i mean I, i think if any place deserves a cup race i feel like that place is so deserving because they've been a part of the sport for a long time they put on great events The fans there are fantastic. Uh, So I I was so pumped when I heard that news and and really excited. It's out there for everybody now, and uh, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to go back to Newton, Iowa sometime next year. And we
3: can't wait to get there as well. Appreciate the time. Congratulations on the successes of Sunday in Talladega. All the best in the round of eight, but all the best in the Roval coming up this weekend at Charlotte Motor Speedway as well. All right, thanks so much. Always fun to be on here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. That's Ryan Blaney. Coming up, we'll chat with Saturday's truck winner, Brett Moffat.
8: From outdoor care to home and auto
7: repair, do it with Craftsman. Find the tools, equipment, and storage you need at your local Lowe's, Ace Hardware, or Craftsman.com. This is NASCAR Live. Now,
3: back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR Live. Over the weekend, Brett Moffitt made his return to front-row motorsports in dramatic fashion. Brett's time with the organization includes the accolade of being named the 2015 NASCAR Cup Series Rookie of the Year. And this past Saturday, the former NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series champion got behind the wheel for the organization, driving the number 34 truck, which he successfully wheeled to victory lane. Our Steve Post is now joined by the 31-year-old to recap that win.
8: Mike Saturday, the Love's RV Stop 250 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Race at Talladega. Getting back to Victory Lane was Brett Moffat. He joins us here on NASCAR Live. Hello, Brett. Uh, how are you? How are things? I'm doing great.
9: You know, like you said, it was, it was great getting back to Victory Lane and man, just such a cool opportunity that Front Row gave me. Uh, and, and big thanks to Marcus with Freight Auctions for hopping on board and giving a little throwback to 2015 uh, when they first came in the sport at NASCAR. So that was really cool. Everything lined up and, and, man, just what a way to execute the last lap and get the job done.
8: Brad, it always amazes me how these relationships come and go. You know, talk about freight auctions. They've been around for quite some time. It, it, it's one of those things where, how, how did this all piece together for you to kind of do this throwback scheme with Front Row?
2: Yeah, so I was
9: out actually on a mountain bike ride and Jerry Freeze calls me with Front <laughs> Row and um, you know, asked if I wanted to, to run Talladega for him, and it was an off weekend for Xfinity, and uh, I just I jumped at the opportunity for sure, and um, you know, then he said, alright, let me, let me clear up some things in our end, get the sponsorship lined up, and next thing I know Marcus is texting me saying that he's going to sponsor us so uh, it's just a a Cinderella story to be back with that team uh, to be back with freight auctions and then to go to victory lane it's it's just you know you couldn't script it any better that's for sure and uh, just super grateful for the opportunity and uh, hopefully we can do that some more in the future
8: yeah, it really has to be good. You know, this business, this NASCAR racing, whether it's trucks or Xfinity or Cup, is a brutal business, you know. And uh, you had so much success. You've won 12 times in the truck series. Saturday's win was your 13th one. But it has been since 2020. Just from a morale standpoint, from a, from a from a grinding standpoint, how relieved were you to be back in victory lane, Brett? Yeah, this,
9: this sport is, you know, extremely mentally challenging um, when it comes to that. And if you're not winning races, you start to doubt yourself. Uh, there's no way around that. Um, getting the super speedway win was huge for me personally because that was the one discipline of racetrack that I had not won at. Um, so that's a good thing to check off the list. But uh, yeah, not winning in three years, that's, it's, it's tough. Um, I'm not going to lie, it's, it's hard. So to be able to get a win and just kind of remind myself you know, that you can get the job done at all the different styles of racetracks uh, was huge, so. You know, it gave me some clarity, and moving forward, I'm just going to try to put my, myself in a position to be able to win more races.
8: Yeah, it, it really does. It's really neat to see. It really was fun to, fun to see you return to victory lane. Now, your day job. We talked about the side hustle, if you will, with the truck series. Your day job is with uh, with uh, AM Racing. This team was just announced um, a year ago for the Xfinity Series. You were announced in December to be the driver. First-year upstart team. Kind of assess how things have gone for you guys with this, with this first-year operation on the Xfinity side? Yeah, it's gone really
9: well with AM racing. You know, Joe Williams has really led the ship and done a great job. It's always nice to have Kevin Swinski in your corner. He's such an experienced racer and has accomplished so much himself. You know, we've we've been grinding. It's at its ups and downs for sure, but uh, I feel like we perform at a level that is not a first-year team. Um, you know, we, we perform very well, and we have our bad days for sure, um, as, as I expected, but... You know, we've, we've came together and we just keep moving the needle forward and trying to perform our best week in and week out. And, you know, we've, we've proven more consistency lately, which is a good thing. And, you know, on our good days we have speed. We struggle every now and then, but uh, all in all it's been a great year.
8: You talk about surrounding yourself. Man, Kevin Sawinski, you're right. He's He raced for years and years the ASA Series. Joe Williams such a hardcore racer and, and, and you go back a while with Joe. How important is it to have those those racer guys in your corner that you guys can build this project with? with you know, similar guys to you, similar cut, cut from the same cloth that you are as well.
2: Yeah, it
9: just makes it a lot easier for me. Obviously, having worked with Joe in the past and having worked with kevin a little bit in the past as well it just it just helps speed up the process speed up the learning curve and you know it, it makes my job easier for sure knowing that we have those relationships that i can you know speak my mind and and be honest with each other and just we all have a common goal and that's succeeding on the racetrack so we can go out there and and do that and you know, it just makes it a fun experience.
8: Now, I don't want you to spill any beans here, um, but there is some kind of announcement with the team coming up on Thursday. Is it, again, you don't need to spill the beans here. I'm not that kind of guy as far as the, the needing to steal any thunder here, but it seems like this team is headed in a really good direction. Is, 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 is that the nature of this announcement?
9: Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's going to be a big announcement. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, I'm, I'm super happy for the team and where everything's headed. and you know it it was awesome to be a part of it, and we'll uh, keep working moving forward.
8: That's good. I appreciate that. I, I I hate we're in these awkward, weird spots where something's been announced, and we're not big on uh, we're not big on spoiling anyone's thunder. Okay. One final thing for you, Brett, and and this uh, has been announced today: um, the return of Iowa Speedway. You're, of course, a racer from Grimes, Iowa. What does it mean for you? What is your thoughts when you when when you heard that Iowa Speedway with it looks like the Cup and the Xfinity series is coming back online?
9: Yeah. It's- That's huge. I love the Iowa Speedway. I'm a little bittersweet because I've won the last two Iowa truck races. So we're going to have to figure out a way to get in as many rides that weekend as possible. Uh, to try to defend that title and um, you know that that was one of my things I held on to was winning races there and hopefully we can do that next year as well
8: Exciting stuff, it really truly is and exciting to have you in victory lane on Saturday again down at Talladega Super Speedway. Brett, we wish you continued success with your Xfinity Series program hopefully we'll see you some more in the trucks and who knows maybe we can keep that winning ways out at Iowa next year going as well, but thanks for joining us here on NASCAR Live. Yeah, thank you Steve I appreciate it. There we go, Brett Moffitt joining us here on the show.
3: Coming up, we'll do a deep dive on how crew chiefs plan to attack the strategy at the Roval as Todd Gordon and Steve Post break it all down when we come back.
0: The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, The ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
1: This is NASCAR Live.
3: Now, back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. So glad you're spending your Tuesday evening with us here on the Motor Racing Network. I'm joined now by the co-host of Crew Call. Episodes drop Wednesday on YouTube or wherever you download your podcast. We're speaking of Steve Post and Todd Gordon. Gentlemen, welcome in. Exciting week, that's for
10: sure. Yeah, loving it. Loving it. Didn't have to call Talladega, but got to watch a heck of a race and build in the roval. And now, for those that survived... Now we can
3: go to the Roval. Todd, I will sp- start with you first. So the Roval, obviously, it is a uh, something that's been online for what will be the sixth year coming up this weekend. What challenges are in place for a crew chief when you go to strategize a race like the Roval?
10: Well, I think that the, the piece is, is we're bringing stage cautions back for the Roval. We haven't had them for the road courses this summer, but NASCAR made the decision to bring them back. That's going to Change things up. I think you have to think about with well, the stages at twenty five and fifty. You got to think about shorten those. You'll pit in three laps before them to try to keep your track position if you want to win. But there's a lot of guys back there that need to get all those points they can. So I think there's the, those those trade offs of whether you stay out and try to get some stage points, whether you try to flip the stage, keep your track position, and where that all plays out in the end. You know it's funny, and Posty, yeah, I've worked pit road earlier this year at Darlington,
3: but you're down yeah. there every week. You always can tell when somebody's trying to outfox somebody else. You start to see some movements in the pit box and, you know, four or five to go. You got guys limbering
8: up. It's always fun to see who's going to try to roll those dice. Well, what's really fun about that is is who's limbering up to fake other people out, who's not coming in. And I think that's what's going to be fascinating. Uh, this week on Crew Call, we have Adam Stevens as our guest. So and you can catch that tomorrow on the podcast. And Adam is uh, in good shape. They're 22 points to the good. They're the defending winner here of the Roval. But on Crew Call, he really discussed what you do, to Todd's point, with the with the stage breaks now in play, do you short pit. 22 points is somewhat comfortable, but if you're sitting there at the end of stage one in the top five, you want to grab five or six points and kind of buffer that a little bit more. And it's fascinating. This th- There's so many different variables. Winning a stage, winning a race, needing points, wanting points, it's going to be fun, but you're right, Mike, down there on Pit Road, you there are, times, there are times when these guys, their actions, I-, I don't know that there's times they don't even know themselves what they're going to do until right at the last moment. Uh, the crew members are all stretching and limbering up, and the next thing you know, here they come.
10: Well, what you do could depend on what other teams around you do. Yeah. I mean, you're you're paying attention to the guys, especially you're going to pay attention to the guys that are in that hunt with you. You know, the bottom five really has my attention, and where they're going to be, and where you feel like your points buffer goes to those guys, because um, you know Brad Keselowski is two points above the line, but but the rest of these guys know their number to the line, so you've got fifteen to fifteen to twenty points above anybody if there's not liar winner but how they play it how they're going to get it you want to put yourself in a position to to know that you're going to continue your gain on them it, it's it is a game of chess as a crew chief and you've got to kind of be prepared to make that last minute call compared to what somebody does
3: the ripple effect of when somebody comes down pit road uh, have you ever been sitting on the pit box and let's say you know the 24 is the first one and you're saying to yourself oh god okay rudy's bringing him in all right guys come on rudy's coming in we got to come in too I tried to be that guy. I, you well, know, you, you were that guy. That guy. <laughs> you were
7: that guy, yeah.
10: You were that guy. I, I wanted to be that guy. Yeah. I, I like making my own plan. And, and part of being that guy is is looking at it saying, okay, the short pit opportunity is going to happen here. So for most people. So then there's the outlier that's going to come a lap earlier, but I want to beat him, so I'm going to come two laps. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it is, it's it is chess game of, of trying to put strategies together and um, then having to react to it. In a place, it's going to be challenging. I, we'll see where it plays out this weekend. I don't feel like there's a ton of tire fall off. Um, I hate to use that term. I don't feel like there's a ton of lap time fall off because the tires aren't falling off. Uh, Every week. Hope hope they're not. Um, but, but when there's not a lot of lap time fall off, it's just whether you can get to, the strategy here is, do I need to pit three laps? Because we closed pit road when it's two laps before the stage caution, the stage end. And with that, I need to get to pit road at three to go or if I'm the leader or if I'm close enough to the leader where I can get to pit road before he can get to start finish line, I can come at two to go.
8: And we have all of this strategy and like happened last year, a timely caution put Adam Stevens in a spot where they could win it. He, He actually tells us on the show if that caution doesn't come out. They're not racing for the championship because they would not have advanced to the next round when they went in in that. So you have all of this strategy and all of this going on. And then uh, one of the things that we talked about was a caution mid stage just blows everything up. And so, you know, in you're it, it's just gonna be it's gonna be crazy. The Roval this week is gonna be fascinating to watch because of the different strategies. These are all the things that crew chiefs wake up at three in the morning to just think their way through
10: all week well, building up to this.
3: You told me on NASCAR Live Race Day that you just eyes wide open, three o'clock in the morning. That and, was the playoffs. And that's With what we're about to do and you
10: describe, I'm sure that was number one on the hit list coming into the Roval. It was. It just, uh, you you had to be ultra prepared and not only just for the race, but for what all the caveats of what could happen. And you've got to continue to think your way through. As you're sitting there in the box, you're thinking, okay, if a caution comes now, what I'm going to do? You know, you know where your tire situation is, you know where, but, but, and then not only what am I going to do, what's everybody else going to do and how's that going to affect what I want to do? Why wait to December? Cue up the Andy Williams right now. It's the most wonderful time of year.
3: NASCAR Cup Series playoffs going into the Roval. Todd Gordon, Steve Post, appreciate you stopping by. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Always fun. Check out Crew Call on YouTube and wherever you download your podcast. New episodes drop every Wednesday. And speaking of the Roval, we'll preview it next here on
5: NASCAR Live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
2: Hi, checking in for
5: or the perfect table.
3: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. We've arrived at the third and final race of the round of 12 in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. This weekend, the NASCAR Cup Series takes on its final road course race of the season at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval. What are playoff drivers like Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Chris Bush are expecting
6: ahead of the Bank of America Roval 400? Our Kyle Ricky is here with more. Five races down and five to go in the 10-race odyssey, that is the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. After an absolute thriller at the Talladega Super Speedway, the playoffs are once again jumbled heading into the cutoff race of the round of 12. That cutoff race will take place at the Charlotte Motor Speedway Roval, a track that has produced chaotic situations that rival Talladega over the years. One driver who won't have to worry about the Roval chaos is Ryan Blaney. He won that Talladega Thriller last Sunday and secured his spot in the round of eight after entering the Yellowwood 500 below the cut line. Blaney has also won at the Roval, getting to victory lane in the inaugural race there speaks to how the racing at the track has evolved heading into its sixth year.
5: You know, it's become kind of a favorite of a lot of fans and stuff like that. You know, they've changed it up a little bit from that first year, really just the backstretch chicane, and, and I think what they got going now the last few years has been good. they had it raining there, dumping rain, you know, track wet to dry, and we've had kind of everything at, at the Roval. So, yeah, it was, it was cool to win there the first year, and had uh, have decent runs there since then, um, but it is a tough racetrack, you know, to kind of get around and have and your car wants completely different stuff than I'd say at any other road course we go to. It's not like your tradition, it's far from your traditional road course, so that's one of those things, you know, you hope you're in a good spot after the first two races
6: to go to the, the Charlotte Roval. The only other driver who has secured a ticket into the round of eight is William Byron. Byron can relax and go for his second road course win of the season this week. He will have to face some new challenges, though. The restart zone at the Roval has been moved back and the stage break cautions have also returned. Byron thinks the restart zone moving will benefit some, but he isn't a huge fan of the guaranteed cautions returning.
9: I mean, I think the restart zone will just make it less dive bombs into turn one, so probably a little bit calmer if you're on the inside line. And then I think the stage cautions I'm definitely not a huge fan of. You know, we just came off of Watkins Glen and scored a, a lot of points, but luckily for us, we don't need the points. So maybe we can go after a stage win. I don't know, um, or we can you know try to go after the five bonus points. So we'll see. Um, definitely going to try to win that race based on our recent you know history on the road courses. I feel like we're really strong in the last two, so I'm looking forward to that race.
6: One driver who won't be able to head into the stress is Ross Chastain. After crashing out early at Talladega, Chastain heads to Charlotte 10 points below the cut line. Chastain will look to make up some points on a style of track that hasn't been kind to him recently. He has failed to finish in the top 15 in the three most recent road course races. To correct those issues, Chastain is focused on matching his teammate, Daniel Suarez, and that starts with qualifying.
11: That's a, it's a process and Obviously, Daniel has shown more regular speed. There's just no way around that. Just consistently, he's shown more raw pace than me. I've started my career at Track Cows last year with the goal just to be within two tenths in qualifying of Daniel. And most of the time I've hit that, I've actually shrunk that down a bit more to be closer. Um, and even though, and I know that given the right lap, I. I can run with them, I, I can compete with them, and I know that we have the same cars, so it's really all I can do. And uh, putting together that lap and qualifying hasn't quite clicked for me lately, so there's been some effort put into that to make that better, make it more natural for me to go pick up the speed needed from practice to qualifying. But we've shown the speed in practice, we've shown it in the race, just gap too far back um, and not a chance to catch up.
6: While qualifying will be a big focus for Chastain this weekend, the same can't be said for one of the drivers he is trying to track down in the point standings, Chris Busher. Busher has finishes of third and sixth at the Roval the last two years after starting outside of the top 15 in each. Busher feels like his team has a good handle on the areas of the track where you need to be good to pass even if that means sacrificing raw qualifying speed. Yeah, you know, the, the road is tricky for, for a lot of reasons. There's um, a lot of areas to get yourself in trouble, very little runoff,
0: and it's just a very unique road course when we talk about how you go about setting up for it. So you know we can be very good in certain areas that, that can be good passing zones, but um, can give up some uh, overall lap time in order to do that feel like we've studied enough to to be confident that the trade-off is worth it that we should be able to defend the areas that um, may not be the best passing zones but may cost some speed at, at the expense of being able to uh, to roll
6: forward and, and not get stuck uh, wherever we're at in uh, in the running order. Busher might need to give some of those setup secrets to his boss and teammate Brad Kozlowski who finds himself on the playoff bubble after exiting Talladega. The drivers that join Chastain below the cut line in search of Kozlowski's position are Kyle Busch and 2311 Racing teammates Tyler Reddick and Bubba Wallace. Redick trails Kozlowski by two points, while Bubba is out by nine. Neither of those deficits are insurmountable, even for Wallace, who after struggling on road courses for most of his career, has turned things around this season. In fact, Wallace had arguably the best road course run of his career at Watkins Glen. Does that give him extra confidence heading into this weekend? You cannot
5: relate um, anything from the Glen. Obviously, two different racetracks. I think just from being able to the way the things that I learned at the Glen, like approach-wise on corners and kind of technique stuff, you can carry that over. And so I worked on a little bit of that this week in the sim and picked up some speed and, and found some uh, a, a decent rhythm. You know, it's all virtual right now until you get there in real life next weekend. But looking forward to it. I know, I know we've run well there the last uh, couple times we've been the Roval, so it's just all a matter of surviving and not trying too hard and not getting caught up in somebody else's mess.
6: Last year's Roval saw Christopher Bell score a walk-off win and the defending champion in Kyle Larson be eliminated. We will see if similar surprises await this Sunday as the playoff field will be trimmed to eight following the Bank of America Roval 400. Thank you, Kyle. That
3: robo Preview is brought to you by Wheelan Engineering. Whelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, has been manufacturing in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Coming up, we'll flash back to 1973 and the National 500 from Charlotte.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley
3: checkered flag is about to fly on this week's NASCAR Live. Before we head for the exits, the MRN time machine is all dialed up, and it's ready to send us back 50 years to the 1973 National 500. Proud on its feet and watching Cale Yarborough go back to the outside and Petty closes the door. Cale goes
7: to the inside at in turn one. And the stubby little ex-fullback from Timmonsville, South Carolina, trying, bangly, trying to get around the STP Dodge pilot, Richard Petty. Can't do it off turn two. About two-car links lead now
11: with Petty leading the way down the back chute. Cale has accumulated a pile of lap money here today. He could probably win more in lap money than he can if he wins the race. Up underneath Richard Petty, but he wants that victory lap. Down underneath Richard, he tries it on the inside, and a Petty just swings out and puts that STB Dodge about a car length ahead. Down they come.
7: Petty in first. Cale is in second. Back they go into turn number one. Cale is again on the inside going for the first place. Cale holds it down low, trying to get underneath Petty. Can't do it again as Petty takes the high road just about all Always in turn 2 and Cale Yarborough now again a
11: car link behind Richard Petty's STP Dodge down into 3. Tremendous pressure on both these drivers. Here's Cale to the inside this time as they come into turn 3. He's got maneuvering room. He's up alongside Richard Petty. Has that car care Chevrolet door to door and he may well get to lead this time. They're exactly a dead heat out of turn 4. Can Petty slave him off?
4: As they come to the line it is Cale Yarborough in front. Yarborough back in front and he gets right down to the grass raising the dust at
7: 150 miles an hour. He goes into turn one. Stack two deep into turn one, and Richard Petty comes off a car length ahead again, pulls Cale Yarborough off turn two. What a
11: battle we've had here between these two grand national champions. Cale Yarbrough just keeping the pressure on Richard Petty until they maybe get down to that final lap, and this race can be decided in a 100-foot stretch of that front straightaway and start finish line. Petty is in the center groove. Cale rides to the outside. Richard chops him off again in turn four, and here goes to the outside, this time in front
4: of you, Ken. Cale Yarborough is rim-riding. He's right up to the wall. He's inches away from it, and he inches himself back in front of Petty. Petty fights him off door-to-door. There they go, Cale Yarborough around the outside. Cale Yarborough stands 70,000 people on their ear here at Charlotte, North Carolina. Goes out in front by three, four car lengths down the backstretch as he's back. Petty going into the third turn. Now it's Richard Petty's turn to overhaul Cale Yarborough. Cale came from about four seconds
3: down Richard, just one, two car lengths behind as they come out of turn number four moving up on the bumper of Elmo Langley. You can catch that race in its entirety at MRN.com, under the MRN Classic Races tab, or on any of your preferred podcast platforms. I'd like to thank Ryan Blaney for stopping by this week. Also, our thanks to Brett Moffitt for joining us as well. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, thank you for joining us. Can't wait to see what happens this weekend in Charlotte. And then we're off into the round of eight. Don't forget, NASCAR Live wide open. You can download another episode on Thursday. We're back here for NASCAR Live next Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time.
1: Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina, and was brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downey, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.